0: Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is
1: Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go.
2: You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks for being with us today. It is Tuesday, May 10th. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan, who is in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Jewel, how's it going there in Dallas? It's just great,
0: Leanne. I love the month of May. Happy to be here. Happy to be talking with you uh, today.
2: You're right. The month of May is yeah, a good month. It a is a A lot of month happenings. Month. A lot of happenings in May. There's weddings, graduations, first communions, mother's day, birthdays, all kinds of excellent. Memorial Day, Memorial we have fe- day. we have a
0: federal holiday in sure. uh, in this month. It's it's good all the way around Liam. Sure.
2: Okay, we're going to we're going to cover quite a bit of ground on the show today. It was the season finale of Madam Secretary, so we are putting our recap into this show right now. So if you listen all the way to the end, you will get the season finale recap of Madam Secretary cuz it was fantastic episode, Julie. I, it really was, Leanne. I, it sort of blew my mind. That's all I can say. <laughs> all right. Also, we have, well, it's a Tuesday. So, you know, we're going deep on some shallow topics. We have tippets <laughs> and a grandmother pod. So, I just want to stay tuned. Just really, you better buckle up, okay? (laughs) We have some thoughts on Outlander. And -hmm. then um, I would like to take up the case for the Elgin Marbles returning to Greece. And I'm going to tell you why, Julie. That's our actual. Heavy hitting news story of the week, and it's two hundred years old. So, uh, so let's. But we're gonna start. Oh, we have Mother's Day. We had Mother's how Day. How was this your How was your Mother's Day? You know what? I had a lovely Mother's Day. It just was very low key. Mainly, the two boys were here, and it occurred to me. Over the next four years, my younger son will not be around for Mother's Day because he's going to a school that's on the quarter system, so he won't get home till June. Uh, So we just had a nice, uh, relaxing day of, like, spending time together as a family. It was actually really enjoyable. We went to the Rose Bowl flea market and out to lunch, and there were gifts, which is good because some years, you know, some years there are no gifts at my house. (laughs) Just cards. Some just, years, not even that. Some I years, know. like, handwritten notes, like, I'll mow the lawn. You know, that's... <laughs> it's so touching. Did it make you... Did you tear up when you got that note, Leah? I mean, You probably I, did, right? So usually, I just get mad. But um, But this... The actual day was great. And then I mentioned uh last tuesday on the podcast uh, that i was going to my son's school has a beautiful tradition of a mother's brunch on mother's day weekend mm-hmm. it's an all boys school but they make a big deal about moms so they welcome the incoming freshman mothers into the to the school and they say goodbye to the outgoing senior mothers and it's a chance for about a dozen senior boys speak about their experience there and the the whole takeaway is supposed to be wow they've really grown up in 4 years you know mm-hmm. they start as these little skinny freshmen and all of a sudden they're seniors and they're going off to colleges and they've done all these great things and taken these classes and learned all these things. But Julie at the end, it's always the highlight. They have a very good theater department at my son's school. So they always have a couple of numbers from the theater kids. Oh. They do whatever their show numbers were, whatever they you know did during the year, they reassemble and they do a couple numbers. It's a little showbiz way to end it. <laughs> well, this year, honest to God, they did Tarzan and a chorus line at the school So this kid started singing that Tarzan song, (laughs) You'll Be in My Heart Tonight. Oh, Oh my God. uh,
0: Were you all sobbing? Sobbing. Sobbing.
2: People were... It was like audible. And most of the senior mothers were sitting right in the front. Like, you know, we went early. We snagged our tables. And, I mean, I couldn't even look at the poor kid because we were all crying. And then he started... He got choked up. He could barely finish the song. Holy cow. And then some... You know, very talented actor, singer, the beautiful voice saying from a chorus line, at what I did for love. Oh, Aww. forget <laughs> It Aww. was like, but women were just like, at that point, they just had their heads down on the table. <laughs> it wasn't even worth <laughs> pretending. So it was a fantastic way to end the brunch. It was really a lovely brunch. And I'm just, I'm just saying, if you're looking for a way to like, Just reduce all the mothers at your event to tears. Sing that song from Tarzan. I had totally (laughs) forgotten.
0: (laughs) I I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought of that, Leon. But that I can see that. That's nice. And you don't care how long the event goes on, too, right? Just you would have sat there for hours, just sobbing. Yeah, Yeah, because there are. There are going to be very few moments like that. I don't want to choke you (laughs) up today, but.
2: <laughs> but, no I but know. there aren't
0: gonna be a lot more times where you're gonna be able to sit around and like sob about how much you love your son.
2: Yeah. Well, it's,
0: officially it's, and not get in trouble for it. Right. Know? So
2: Right. Uh, it was just really, really a nice day. So what and I was so I, I was so dehydrated and and tired after that. I had to take a nap. We were supposed to go out that <laughs> night. I never nap. I came home like I'm just gonna go up to my room and lie down oh, for a little bit. I know. It's so, a lot. It,
1: it was fantastic. A lot.
0: Oh, well that's good, Leon. Yeah, yeah. It was all good here. I had a wonderful Mother's Day and I just a big shout out to the Mansfield Women's Club. Last Thursday, Leon, I went down there and I it's it's a wonderful group of women, very active in their community. They have a mission to give back to their community. And to make friends and support each other in the club, you got to love that. And you know, we, we're doing a little book signing at the end. And you know, one of the things we have our book out. You're the best, a celebration of friendship. And you know, I'm sure you see this because I know you do a number of speaking engagements. It's it's just so fun to hear who people are buying the book for. You know, I love it that they're, you know, buying it for their neighbor, they're buying it for their real sister, they're buying it for their tennis partner, they're buying it for their best friend from grade school, they're buying it for their mother, you know, and I I, I don't, I mean, I just love hearing who they intend to share the gift with. Don't you?
2: Yeah. They always tell you it's no. these are my five college roommates. Yeah. I'm going to sorority sisters.
0: Yes. I I think I, so my bridesmaids, whatever it is, but I, it's that, that was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, yeah. It was all good. So, but, uh, but I got back from Mansfield. That is south of Dallas. Um, lovely town, lovely town. But I also, as part of my Mother's Day weekend, I went on a road trip, Leon. Okay. Now you remember when you came to Dallas for the book tour, I was hoping that we could take a side trip to Waco, Texas. You know, I, I yes, wanted to you take. Really you
2: really were trying to talk me into that.
0: I was talking you into it, but, yeah. but we just didn't have time. We yeah. were, we were so busy. We or just. interest, but I, I didn't have any interest. I don't. Yes, you did. Well, okay. If you weren't interested, you just just no. sit tight, all right? Because I because I went with one of my friends, uh, a neighbors, uh, a real satellite sister, Anne, who loves road trips. She grew up here in Texas, Leanne, and there's nothing she loves more than to get out on the open road, to go places, to see things to visit curiosities i mean uh, and so she had really researched our trip to um uh, to to Waco so we we knew exactly what we were going to do and our first stop on the trip was of course we wanted to see that Magnolia Mart now, you are a, a, a viewer of HGTV, and I if have, anyone watches... I don't know this
2: show, though. Or you don't store. know this show? You've no. never seen it? Okay, That's why, why I was not interested in going. I don't okay. know who you're talking about. Okay,
0: well, the name of the show <laughs> is, is Fixer about. Upper, uh-huh. and this is... Chip and Joanna Gaines and they're from Waco, Texas. Okay. And what they do is they fix up houses in the Waco, Texas area. And the thing about Chip and Joanna is you like them immediately. Chip is the contractor and he's just totally goofy and nice. And Joanna seems to be the brains of the operation. She does the design, the overall concept and she loves everything that Chip does, even though he's a goofball. She, she, they, and they have four lovely children. And she is totally, she totally loves that open concept farm, you know, farmhouse style. And if when she's doing her renovations, if she finds that shiplap behind the walls she goes out of her mind she loves that the most of all so <laughs> so that and she does these remarkable transformations and then the other thing about the show leanne is that all the real estate in the waco area costs under two hundred thousand dollars uh so that is always a miracle you know that people buy houses for seventy five dollars seventy five thousand yeah. dollars you know cute cute couples all the couples on the show are incredibly likable you know there's so you're really rooting. For for them. Of course you're rooting for Chip and Joanna. And one of the things so they they've had the show and uh, even though you're not watching it, pretty much everyone else in America is watching the show, Leon. It's very popular, popular both both with men and with women. So if you want to, you know, in fact they had a Mother's Day a fixer upper, um, a marathon oh. of, of, on HGTV. Okay. So you could have caught it then, but you can catch it pretty much anytime. You know, Sometimes it's, on- it's
2: hard for us in California to watch shows about real estate that cost 75,000. <laughs> I will be honest. We are, we, we have like a low price. We have a set price point. Like if we're watching house hunters and their budget is like 82,000, we don't even watch like, cause it's just demoralizing. Good things out yeah. here are so expensive. I know, so. I know, I know. So it's
0: like a dream. It's yeah. a dream and it, it looks very bucolic in Waco. You know, they have all these, they live out on a farm that they've renovated and their kids are adorable. It's all it's all good, goodly and it's all good. And so one of the things, they used to have a little retail store in Waco and then now because they're fixer-uppers, they bought an old grain silo and warehouse in downtown Waco and they've renovated the this for her new retail store, where she's going to sell all her little cute items—the baskets, you know, the candlesticks, the cake stands, you name it—all the cute stuff that she has on the show. So the, this Magnolia Mart opened this year, and uh, I've been wanting to go since then. But you know, I tried to lure you into it. But I have my my buddy uh, um, Anne. We went down, went there. Okay, so this and they this grain silo is on. It seems like. The area of downtown Waco that could use a little uh, renovation. You know, it's all sort of abandoned parking lots. It's there's not much going on down there, but this the grain silo. So we pull up in front of Magnolia Mart, and Leon. It was about nine thirty. The store opened at nine. We got on the road. We were there by nine thirty. There must have been a thousand people in the store. A thousand people, Leanne. Really? I
2: like really re- a thousand people.
0: Literally, it's a big place and it was completely jammed. But it's a whole happening because in addition to the, the warehouse that you can go in and shop in, they have a big lawn, and they have beanbag games out there for kids, and lawn chairs, and picnic tables, and they have food trucks there. Uh, so people, you can go, it's like a whole destination, and not just to shop there, but you can go and just experience the life of the fixer-upper. So, but so a thousand people were in that store and that might be a little off-putting, but I'm telling you, here's the thing, Leon, it's Texas. And so people are very nice in there. So it wasn't, there wasn't any pushing or shoving or grabbing. People were just sort of milling around, looking at stuff. And then again because you haven't seen the show but you have to believe me everyone is super super nice on the show that's who they've hired to work in this store so it's all just incredibly nice people helping you smiling at you you know talking to you so the whole experience even though it's jam packed jammed with people uh jammed with people it was it was totally lovely and she has nice little housewares i didn't think they were overpriced uh I bought a little... Uh, I had to buy something. Right.
2: That's... Yeah. yeah. If you have a thousand You have to. Feet, yeah. But I
0: bought a little flower vase for $10. And I am sure she could have charged $18 for it, but she didn't. She okay. charged... She charged 10 because it's Waco land. So, so that... Were there looks... any
1: Chip
2: and Joanna sightings?
0: No. No, no. Chip, and, no chip and Joanna okay. sightings. So... Um, but... This, but and they're building something else on the site as well, another whole pavilion. But I don't know what's what's going on there, so I'll have to get to the detail of there and a bakery. They they are opening o- opening a bakery on this same site, Okay. which I'm sure would only draw even another thousand people. So I don't know if they've been given the key to the city of Waco. But <laughs> it sounds like they have. <laughs> Seem to be – they seem to – they are an economy in and of themselves because – and it's just – you know, there's a guest book there. People are coming from all over the country to come to the Magnolia Mart and just – be be one with the spirit of Chip and Joanna Gaines and the fixer upper. So so you gotta do that on your trip. But Leanne, that was only the start. Um as I said, my uh, my friend Ann likes to research places to go and she knows a lot about Texas because she grew up here. So our second stop, you probably didn't know this, but do you know that they have the prototype for the Brooklyn Bridge is in Waco, Texas?
2: I did not know that. <laughs> no, really.
0: It is the Waco suspension bridge, which is the oldest and longest suspension bridge. West of the Mississippi is in Waco, te- Texas, right over the Brazos river. So, huh. and it looks, it was built by the Roebling brothers, the same ones that built the Brooklyn bridge. They built, uh, they built a bridge in uh, Waco. So the cattle could cross the river. How about that? So you, <laughs> now that was good times land. Okay. Now you're not gonna get that on any tour. No. So you see how this tour was just yeah. building and building. It's coming a life.
1: This is a, this, this big yeah.
0: celebrity. You know, we didn't see any celebrities, but we went to the Magnolia Mart, then we did the Waco Suspension Bridge. We stopped at the lovely farmers market in Waco, again, along the river. You know, it was just great. Everything's they've got a big, strong organic movement going on there. Everybody was selling organic stuff, so that that was good. And then for, you know, our grand finale, Anne had found out about a place north of Waco called the Homestead Heritage. And this is a 500 acre plus acre farm area north of Waco. And it was, um, it's run by a religious community. This is a religious community that started in New York City 20 years ago. Um, uh, and then they moved to Waco, Texas. And they're a combination evangelical, Anabaptist kind of operation. I didn't know what Anabaptist was because I did some research on this, um, religious community. But that's the, that would be sort of the Amish or Mennonite, you know, uh, tract, uh, within, uh, Christianity. So it's evangelical, Amish, Mennonite. So these, this community believes very strongly that you need to get back to the ways of like the 18th century, 18th and 19th centuries. So, and they are very conservative. They have, you know, the women are all wearing long dresses and they got that hair thing going, you know, (laughs) you know, the hair and the men have to wear long sleeve shirts, uh, button, you know, button down shirts and they have to wear a certain kind of blue jeans, okay? they That's part of their, you know, they have certain requirements. They have electricity there. They have, you know, air conditioning in certain buildings. Um, but they don't believe in tractors, okay? But to uh, make lunch reservations, they do that on an iPad. Okay. So you have iPads, okay. no tractors, okay? Okay.
2: okay right, I'm so, looking at the website now. It's a lot of, yeah, they have... They have a lot of beliefs, I see. Yes,
0: yes, yes they do, Lance. Fully, so,
2: fully thought out belief system. Yes, this
0: is, I, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say, uh, you know, they're just, I'm not, so uh, So Anne had heard about it, but this is, they're, they're into, I mean, when you go there, they have a little cafe, so, and I'll talk about that in a second, but then they have... They have their own grist mill. They, uh, they, you know, they, uh, they weave their own fabrics. They make their own furniture. Um, they, you know, they do, they have a potter's barn. So it's, you know, they have their own herb garden. They've got hay rides. It's a very popular place. Approximately, according to their video, they, they have a little video you can watch when you yeah. go there. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, there's no, they have religious books around, but there's no religious indoctrination when you're there. That's I, I I think that's important to say. They get about sixty thousand visitors a year, come to come to the homestead heritage, you know. Um so, but it is, it is like stepping back in time, you know, sort of, you know, again, because they are uh, very committed to, you know, sort of bringing back the simple crafts. So they have, they have a blacksmith shop, you get you weaving and spinning, they have a syrup mill, as I said, a grist mill, you know, so they, they're doing a lot of that. And then they have a cafe and the cafe, Leanne, serves you know, they have hamburgers and sandwiches, uh, but the, everything, you know, this is the grass-fed beef and they've made all the bread. They have their own cheese. They make
2: all their own cheese. Okay. So I, I, I had a yeah. Reuben. I had a Reuben, Leon. It was a top 10 Reuben of my entire life. <laughs> really? That doesn't seem like a yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised they would have a Reuben there. I don't okay. know. It's, it's a very pop. I said, "What was the most popular sandwich?" She said, "The
0: Reuben. People like our Reuben." So okay. it was. It was pretty good. So Abraham brought me the Reuben sandwich. That was delicious. So it, it was. It's a juxtaposition. <laughs> I, right. That's all I'm saying is from the
2: blatant commercialism of Chip and Joanna's
0: operation. Yeah, well, that <laughs> that was it. But this is sort of a this is sort of a left turn when you go there. You know, I you know I don't want to say Branch Davidians, but I, I just did, didn't I? Okay, okay, so they're not. But there's. I mean, you can look this group up. There have been some articles uh, questioning what's going on. But they, you know, they have one guy in charge, and he picks the elders, and they have a lot of rules. But it seems to be working for this religious community. And uh, the Reuben sandwiches are very good. So you Maybe can see. That's,
2: let me look and see if that's part of their belief system. I don't cure, know. Cured meats. They cure their own. That's I, the I have no doubt from what you said. I mean, you I have no doubt. Yeah. So, so okay. it really was quite a day. As it you is a see, long day in Waco. That, that was, you can see, we
0: had some very distinct and unique experiences And, uh, like you've never been to a, I don't think you've ever been to a place like this. And if I get you, get you to take the side trip to Waco, uh, we're doing, I went
2: to Amish acres in Indiana. I went there.
0: Now, the, well, this is, I mean, the that, other, was not I, that, that seems that, like that, there a, were no rubbish. Reuben sandwiches yeah, available. That, that's, you know, yeah, this yeah. is, this is Texas land. Okay. And they,
2: Slightly <laughs> suspicious is what you're saying. There's I'm that. just saying
0: there's been some articles about, yeah. about some of this stuff. That's okay. True. So that's, I don't know. I don't want to make any false claims because I, I could, I can only present the facts, which was the Reuben was delicious and you would enjoy seeing the grist mill and everything else that they got going on there. So
2: 36 hours in Waco. (laughs) Take that New York times.
0: I know you could, they, they would not have this on their list. I mean, that's what I mean. We went places, we did things. Other people don't go.
2: Well, Julie, that is people have been wondering on the satellite sisters group page if you have been to Magnolia. So now you have, did you take any photos? but I will I have some photos we can okay. put some up I will yeah, put I will. some up okay. on the group page people enjoy that uh people enjoy that all right excellent excellent report excellent report all right julie um I have news of an international coalition I think we should join I mean we're not <laughs> We're not being being solicited to join this particular international coalition, but I don't think that means we can't get on the bandwagon. And there are a couple of reasons why. Now, I don't know if you know the story of the Parthenon marbles. You probably do. They're in the British Museum now. I've seen them. I've seen them in the British Museum. But that's only because 200 years ago, uh, the British ambassador to the Ottoman Empire, he was a Scot named Lord Elgin, basically pointed at the marbles and said, I want those ordered the friezes removed from the Parthenon in Greece and ship them to England. Okay. And it's been a fight for 200 years to get them back. And um, so the British government was sort of pretending like, Oh, it was a, it was really all of Lord Elgin's fault, but not so much. They never really gave them back. Once they got their hands on them, they were keeping them. And they sort of used the argument that, well, we're preserving them from, for all of humanity. These were not, Sure, they were in Greece, but really they belong to all of humanity, and now they belong to us, the British. (laughs) That's, and, the and, they, and they
0: built a nice wing at the British Museum for it. So. Yes. <laughs> yes,
2: so that, and for many years they used things like the air pollution, the this, the unstable economy, all these reasons why they weren't going to give these marbles back. Um, but now the Greeks themselves have brought, built their own lovely museum on the Acropolis in Athens where it's sitting empty, waiting for, for the marbles to come back. And you know, there is a movement to sort of repatriate stolen artworks. and uh, which, these, uh, which I totally agree with William. totally agree with, so mm-hmm. I feel like the two hundredth anniversary of stealing of the of the Elga marbles is is coming up, and Greece sees it as an opportunity to build an international coalition so they 've already tried like begging and pleading and rationalizing and sending attaches, and none of those have worked so now they 're going to try sort of a legal human rights angle, and then they 're also going to appeal to um, the United Nations to put international pressure on the Brits to give back the marbles. And here's why I think we should get involved. First of all, this is, it doesn't seem that controversial. We're not taking any strong political stance. Like just give the marbles back. Okay. You've had them for 200 years. Give them back. They belong to Greece. They're part of Greece's culture. They're not part of the British culture. So give them back. That seems right. And then the other thing is, Julie, you know who one of the lawyers is involved in this new fight? Um, uh, I'm just going to say, is it Amal
0: uh, it Clooney? It is Amal Clooney. So okay. We're... All right. I mean, if you were trying to get a high-profile uh, international lawyer, I would go to Amal. Okay. Uh, she's is she Whose
2: side whose side is she on? Leanna? She's on the side of the Greeks. Okay, oh, yeah. Cool. She said, we have a very strong human rights case here. Of course you do, Amal. You always do. I heard her on NPR the other day about something else. I was like, I would have married her if I met her. My God, she sounds incredible. So... So let's do it. Let's just throw our hat in the ring with these people because it's now an international community. There's a group of Australians that are supporting this movement. And this is great because the Australians have a sense of humor. They put up a giant uh, billboard next to the British Museum and it's a picture of uh, the Greek marbles. And then with strategically placed words over the private parts of the marbles, it says, give us our marbles back. (laughs) Okay.
0: Do you love well, the Australians? I, I, think, I think the Australians have some other issues with the British yeah, Empire. Yeah. They're trying. They're acting out. But those—that's pretty funny.
2: I think yeah. it would be funny if people. I'm from surprised that uh, you know the Britain
0: hasn't hasn't just stepped up and done that. Okay. I am
2: sort of surprised. Like it does really seem like the right thing to do, and it's only going to look poorly if they don't give them back. After two, they've had them for 200 years. Enough is enough. You really just stole them, so give them back. And now that Amal Clooney is on the case, yes. come on. I, okay. so I feel like the satellite sisters can join this coalition, this international coalition to bring back the Elgin marbles. Absolutely. Okay. Count
0: us in, Leanne. Let's okay. start a petition. Okay.
2: I don't even think we need to do that. I think we've declared it now. And okay. I think we're good. <laughs> okay. We don't have to take out a billboard, but we could, because that's a funny one. All right. There Our,
0: you go. Good, land. Good. Well, Leanne, I, you know, You know, I could talk about this next topic pretty much every single day. And I I refrain from doing it uh, just because I don't want to bore you to death. But there's a lot of grandmother news out out and about. And I just wanted to mention it. Okay, so we don't you know, maybe you think I talk about being a grandmother all the time. But um, but I don't,
1: Julie, I don't.
0: Okay. well, there was there was an interesting um, article uh, in The New York Times by Dominique Browning. And she, she has a, a theory. I, I don't, I don't know how scientific it is, but I totally believe it's true. And that she believes that there is something called the grandmother hormone. Uh, now, as you know, uh, hormones have ruled our lives, uh, throughout, you know, since, since the time you, you know, you're a young girl, you know, you are being thrown about by, by your hormones, right? Yes. And so, you know, and, and even in in your later years, you know, it's, it's those, the diminish of the uh, diminishing hormones that are throwing you, throwing you for a loop. But she, she really believes that, you know, being a grandmother and experiencing, you know, holding that little baby, uh, your grandchild in your arms, it is that there is so much joy and bliss associated with holding a, a a newborn that it releases a special category of hormones that would be the grandmother hormone. So on one side it is this rush of like positive joy and bliss but at the same time there is an equally strong rush of worry that <laughs> that comes out when you're the grandmother because Because you have, because you are well aware of all the things that could happen to that baby, both, you know, positive and negative. So it is a double whammy, she says. That's what uh, Dominique Browning says. It's a double whammy of emotion. That when you find out um, when you when you become a grandmother, and I've said that, Lee, and I know if you go back into our archives, and I talk about becoming a grandmother, holding my you know, oldest granddaughter Alice for the first time, that deep sense of connection that was so unexpected for me, you know, that I just I just didn't imagine being connected to that child in a way that you are. So uh, so I, I, I don't know if there's any theory, scientific theory, behind um, Dominique Browning's um, idea of the grandmother hormones, but I think it's totally uh, accurate. So I just wanted to mention that. Secondly, I don't know if you've seen this, but Leslie Stahl of CBS News and 60 Minutes is out with a new book, and it's called Becoming Grandma, the joys, um, the joys of being, of of be, and science of being a new grandparent, and that she's a grandmother, and that she, you know, you know, is really relishing in that role. Uh, she she writes that she's she, in particular, because she what works so hard when her own daughter was growing up. I mean, as a CBS correspondent, she was away, and a a 60 Minutes correspondent, she was away a great deal of, you know, the time when her daughter was growing up. She really relishes that she can spend all this time with her granddaughters. You know, I don't, she doesn't say it's paid payback, but she definitely wants to take advantage of all of that. And so she's written a new book that is both a combination of a memoir and also, sort of some science associated with, you know, babies and grandparents and things. So the reviews are very good about it, but you know, it is, you know, the internet, there are a lot of, excuse, can you hear my dog uh, snoring in the I background? Can,
2: I, can, I can hear your dog snoring. I mean, I heard that snore. Yeah, that was quite a... I'm sorry. That's Okay, okay oh, can yeah, I go now? He's really going.
0: He's working up, but he yeah. needs some one of those like those nasal right, strips. Yeah. Yeah, he does. I'm sorry. He, but I think he, he finds he finds my voice when I do a podcast very relaxing.
2: Apparently, <laughs> I
0: just. I just uh, I, I just uh, woke him a little. Well, anyway, but, you know, on the Internet, uh, she's getting very good reviews. But a lot of people are saying, well, you know, she's a very privileged grandmother, but, you know, and that many people at different socioeconomic levels, you know, they're finding that they're they not the part-time grandmother. It's they're a full-time grandmother that is, re- you know, that is raising another, you know, their children's ch- uh, child. And this does happen. I don't know. I, I just thought... I thought it was an interesting book, and uh it you know it you know it may assist other grandmothers and grandmothers to be that's right.
2: that's all well I both say. conversations are legitimate
0: yes right. I, th- I i totally think they're yep. legitimate i i totally think yep. and i don't i don't think it was Leslie Stahl's intention to you know to disavow that no, but I'm, sure only, I'm sure not she can only write about her experience and uh you know and and that's that. So, anyway, so you might want to check it out. The name of her book again is "Becoming Grandma." Mm.
2: So, okay, so there's your grandmother pod. That's it. That's my grandmother pod, Lynn. <laughs> Got anything else, Grammy? Okay. Um, uh, speaking of grandmothers, I had to send a blow-by-blow of how to teach my mother-in-law to find closed captioning on her television. So I did that this week. <laughs> well, that seems like quite a Mother's Day gift. Thank you. There you go. That's very nice, Liam. Well, she was saying how much she liked movies with subtitles because she could read the words and she has some hearing issues. I was like, well, just use closed captioning on the television, like many Satellite Sisters listeners claim they do watching pole dark. She was like, really? How do I do that? So I figured it out for her. Uh, There you go. All right. I have some tidbits, Julie. Oh, this is sort of in the closed captioning. area, passwords. You know how we're always talking about passwords and we can't remember our passwords and this password and that password, right? We've talked about passwords a lot on Satellite Sisters. So I saw this tip at USA Today from a couple of engineers, how they do, software engineers, how they do their passwords. And I think it's literally brilliant. They said the key to passwords is not capitals and numbers and this and that. It's making them really long. So they suggested just finding one sentence and using it for every password a sentence ah. a sentence like i love visiting satellitesisters.com <laughs> i love <laughs> Help visiting save amazon save the elgin marbles yeah. yeah but you the idea is that you use the same sentence and then you include the name of the website in the sentence so it's my favorite website is amazon my favorite website is goodreads you just use that sentence and adapt it for the website you're on. And then if you want to make it more complicated, instead of using the Ys, you can type an exclamation point or something like that. But just the sentence stays the same, just very slightly based on the website. I thought that was a pretty good tip. I think that is a good tip. Like I could almost remember
0: that. Like, right. I mean, I, idea, I, that yes.
2: That's the idea. Because I think they
0: realize that most people can only remember one password, right? right? This is it, right?
2: And it's not the same password for every site because you change it based on the site. So that's, Uh you know, there you go. So I just wanted to pass that along because I thought that was pretty good. Alright, Lee, and I like that. Okay, I'm, my second tig- good
0: tidbit. Good tidbit. Good tidbit
2: is just Prince Harry this week in the United States for the Invictus Games, yes. uh, which has become sort of his personal mission: getting warriors, wounded warriors, back into athletic action and creating these Olympic-like games. I believe he is just killing it here in the United States. He <laughs> has really turned himself around, as our mother would have said, hasn't he,
0: Julie? Yeah, that he's not hanging out um, in the nude in Las Vegas. Yes. Uh, no, no more of those shots. Yeah. No, no, yeah,
2: he's just killing it. I mean, he's yeah. adorable. So, uh, Prince Harry, way to go! You just you're doing a very fine job there. You found a very nice role for yourself. So, if you add giving back the Parthenon marbles to your resume, <laughs> I think oh, I think you'd really he could really
0: he could join that international coalition. He could. Well, Oops. don't you think it's about time? He is, how old is that guy now? He's I know, like,
2: it is about time. I don't it know. It is about
0: time for him to shape up. I mean, that's, uh, he's been, you know, he's been like the playboy of the Western world for for long enough, you know, so he, sh- he should get a little more serious with his life.
2: Yes. So, and he's he's doing that and he seems to be in a groove. Good work, Harry. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then finally, in my tidbits, Julie, steak, because who doesn't love a steak tidbit? Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's really my favorite way to have steak, Leanne. Love them. Don't
1: you? Little Mm -hmm.
2: tidbits? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well- it is barbecue season, and there are a lot of myths out there about steaks and barbecuing, many of which apparently I've fallen prey to. So it was clarified in this column from Cooking Light magazine uh, by uh, Chef Kenji Lopez-Altier, here. and here's what, uh, here's what he writes.
0: You really um, did some research for this show, Lee, and I'm very impressed. Okay. I,
2: I've got sources, Julie. I've got a lot of sources. I'm surrounded by sources. But um, – all right. You know, there's that rumor that you're supposed to take a steak out and bring it to room temperature. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Totally not true. You don't have to do that.
0: No, I thought the, I thought the meat was supposed to seize up. It, you know, if it went from chili
2: steak uh, to the hot grill, no. it would seize up. No? Here's the problem you, you would have to take it out like hours and hours and hours ahead of time. Like the, he actually did the testing. And if you leave it out, you know, I'd pull it out of the fridge for two hours, it only goes up 10 degrees. Uh So you're not really doing that much to it. He said, but here are a couple of things that are important. Seasoning before you put on the grill, very important. So if you can pull the steak out and salt it 40 minutes before, and then the key is not warming up the steak, but drying the steak. Uh That's how you get the good char. So you pull it out, you salt it. That makes the, you know, the salt pulls the moisture out and then the steak sucks it back in. I think that's the technical term. Sucks it back in. And then you just pat it off with a, you know, a paper towel. Paper towel. towel.
0: That's what Julia Child used to always do too, Leanne. And there you
2: go. And you know what? I also believe the myth that you should only flip it once. But no, he says, no, actually flipping multiple times results in a more evenly cooked meat with a better crust.
1: So there you go.
0: Well, that, those are some tidbits about tidbits, (laughs) Leanne.
2: Exactly, Julie. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. I think,
0: whew. Well, Memorial we still have more that, show. and It's was... very timely information. Memorial Day is coming up. Yes. People may be uh, grilling some beef, and yeah. now they're ready to go. Yeah. Yes,
2: exactly. Um, a couple things before we do Outlander. I just wanted to mention, if you haven't heard our interview with Phil Knight, Liz and I taped that. This week, this former CEO, or the CEO, the founder of Nike, he's now the chairman of the board and his new memoir is called Shoe Dog. And uh, Liz and I had a chance to talk to him. We both worked for him. So that's why it was both nerve wracking and exciting to talk to Phil. We only had 20 minutes with him, so we had to cram a lot of stuff in there, but it was really, really great to talk to him again. And that uh, podcast posted this weekend. Even if you have someone in your life who's an entrepreneur or into business, it's not you, feel free to forward that podcast along because he really says a lot of interesting things in it. And mainly what he says, Julie, is we got what a lot of other business reporters didn't get, that it was the culture at Nike. I know, you know? Leon.
0: and it was a very good review. Be, uh, your interview was very good because you were able to talk about the culture of the organization and it got him to talk about that. Right. Now, he did offer you jobs. thats <laughs> uh, He wants you to come back, which made me a little worried that you weren't going to be doing the podcast because you were heading back to Beaverton,
2: Oregon there. I, I, te- to, uh, I texted my husband and his response was Beaverton or Bust. I mean so uh we'll see. No. It was it was just it was really fun to talk to him again and I, I get just noted the passage of time. I mean I I told a story on the air about, you know, working with him when the New World headquarters opened. And then I realized that was nineteen ninety. 1990 that is a long time ago Julie I know I was very young that was the point of that story but I don't know how I got to be this age but it was <laughs> fantastic to talk to him so uh-huh. that is available at satellitesisters.com we would love for you to share that with the people in your life that might be interested in that and then this weekend I'm going to be at the um literary guild of orange county the festival of women authors so I don't All rightly you, yeah. and that sounds excellent looking, yes. i am doing the keynote address for uh 400 um eager readers so i am i'm am looking forward to that um, now i just have to figure out what i'm going to say <laughs> <laughs> It's all good.
0: I'm sure it will be inspiring, <laughs>
2: Land. It will come to you. It will come to you on the
0: 405. It's all gonna. It's all. That's gonna, what.
2: Ha- it's exactly right, Julie. That's exactly right. All right, we do it to do a little Outlander commentary um, before we get to Madam Secretary, uh, Julie. Here's would be my commentary. Creepy, 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 uh, annoying and creepy. That's my. <laughs> I wrote down three
0: pieces of uh, notes, which was. Blah, 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 blah. Jack is back and a duel. I think we're having the same reaction. I know. It was, it was a little like, I just don't care about that storyline in France. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't care. I mean, about that king. I don't, I, none of it. So, and- so it's, there's a lot of talk there and I don't think that's what that Jamie is not. That's not his strong suit. His strong suit is dueling and it's wearing kilts and ripping off his shirt, okay? <laughs>
2: That's what we want to see more of. Okay. I I mean, I did think he had some great hair and great kilts in this, uh, in this particular episode. I thought his personal grooming was excellent. Mm -hmm. I thought that dress she was wearing, the brown dress with the peonies was, was it a couch? Was it a dress? (laughs) Was it a settee? Was it curtains? I don't know, Julie, but it was pretty (laughs) spectacular. Yes, it was. It was. It was. But this is where the time travel becomes ridiculous. And Uh I was feeling your pain because Claire is now trying to prevent the death of the world's most awful human being, Jack Randall, so that her not that awesome husband can be born uh, 200 years later. Right. (laughs) Which really puts Jamie in a, you know, he's a very understanding man. I mean, and I, he
0: is really... He's being very understanding because that is, that is hard to understand. Like that's, that's it. So
2: I don't know. I think a Jamie in the hand is worth two francs in the bush, but that's (laughs) what I would say. (laughs) And a duel. I was,
0: I was like, finally, we're going to get back to some action. Yeah. I guess it's against the law in France to have a duel. So now we have to wait a year for the duel. So I, I, I don't know, Leanne, I think it's lost a little of its steam, its mojo, uh, and it's, it's just not, I'm, I'm not as excited about Outlander as I was last year.
2: Yeah, I, but, I would agree. I mean, yeah. the, when the highlight are the fashions and that overhead shot of the French garden, which was yeah. a spectacular mm-hmm. shot, I actually right. paused that to take a look at that garden. Right. That was absolutely beautiful. But yeah, I mean, it's lost steam. It's lost the steaminess. We need some more steaminess. We back. need
0: more, just more bodice ripping. Come on, come on. I mean, it's, I'm at a point where I wouldn't... Last last season, I was recommending it to people. I wouldn't recommend people jumping into this now.
2: Okay, so. all right. Okay, yep, that's so right. we'll have to see. But again, Jamie is a good man. I would not would not let him go claire I would claire not go. you are crazy, you're crazy. i know you are crazy. crazy you're okay. crazy claire all right we're the satellite sisters we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back with our final recap of madam secretary's second season so stay with us we're gonna take a break we'll be back this podcast is brought to you by you're the best a celebration of friendship a collection of essays about the importance of female friendships in our lives by the Satellite Sisters. It's the perfect thank you gift for all the springtime celebrations, from showers to reunions to Mother's Day. Tell the Satellite Sisters in your life, you're the best. Available at Amazon or wherever books are sold. Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, it was the season two finale of Madam Secretary this week, episode 23 of season two. Uh, It was Veritus, which I have to tell you, I spent quite a long time on the Latin to English translation (laughs) websites today to find out what was the translation of that word. And I was coming up with nothing.
0: I got I got Leon because I kept it kept coming up veritas for me. Yeah, so I couldn't I could not. It's a mystery. There are several mysteries in this episode, and the title, the title, the significance of that title, I don't know what it was.
1: Do so we if miss any,
2: it? If any member of the production team is listening, I mean, it's not veritas is truth, but this was right. veritas, which would only come from the root of variety, varied, that kind of thing. So I guess what they're saying is hodgepodge. I mean, hodgepodge. <laughs> Tidbits? Uh, tidbits. <laughs> <laughs> wackadoodles. I don't <laughs> – but, but other than that, it was an absolute top episode. Loved it, loved it, loved it. First of all, I loved that, you know, our girl best did not have to solve a super dramatic world crisis in 60 Minutes no one got blown up this week it was drama, it was character building, we revealed a lot of details about certain characters Uh, it was a relatively happy ending with a real twist at the end and that was great and it was (laughs) written by Barbara Hall, she's the showrunner she was a guest on Satellite Sisters a couple months ago and you could just feel it was in the zone, it was (laughs) smart and funny and satisfying and Julie, Henry is back in the kitchen where he belongs, thank
0: Mm -hmm. goodness that's what I was saying too, he was fixed the waffle iron. was playing mini mini golf and working on that fire pit. I I felt much more reassured that he was in the role that he was playing this week than he's been previous weeks. Like yeah. when he was running around in Islamabad, you know, with the non secure uh, cell phone, that was really upsetting me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Liz and Lee, here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow! Do we? <laughs> Free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com/sisters and use code Sisters to choose your free for a year offer. Plus, get twenty dollars off your first order. Thanks, Butcherbox. So well, here's some personal highlights before we get to the storylines. Okay, mm-hmm. Henry proposed to Bess in skywriting. How <laughs> great was that? I know. I know. All right. The fam loves mini golf. I mean, who doesn't love mini golf? Yes, it's it's a great sport, Leanne. It really is. <laughs> it is. And, all right. Bess took that layered look to new heights, Julie, or should I say depths? What was that jogging construction okay. she was wearing? I, th- this was
0: another area, again, where I was doing some deep research, Leanne, and coming up blank. Why was she wearing a Carolina Panthers sweatshirt? I did not see that connection because Bess went to the University of Virginia. She grew up in the Washington area. So she would naturally be a Washington Redskins uh, fan. She wouldn't be a Carolina Panthers fan. Was Leah.
2: that the Heist the Quaker? Would they have been the Panthers?
0: No, that looked, I think, well, that looked like a Carolina Panthers okay. sweatshirt. Okay. <laughs> So again, we, this was, I didn't, I didn't understand the title and I didn't understand why she was wearing that sweatshirt.
2: All right. But weren't you happy to see those fur hooded million dollar puffer coats come back, Julie? <laughs> yes,
0: Lan. I, I am so glad at a moment's notice they can get to some far off region and show up in the puff, the matching puffer coats. That was excellent.
2: Just Henry with the fur—he looks like, uh, look like a, uh, you know, some sort of Russian heroine. There, it's just... I, I just
0: couldn't understand. Like, okay, so it's so warm and sunny in, uh, in DC that they're playing mini golf, but then they go to Finland and they've got to go, you know, in their dinner.
2: *Anna Karenina*. <laughs> Julie Christie shows up to the hostage exchange. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, hats off to the fur hoodie uh, puffer coats. Yeah, yeah. All right. So here are the three storylines. Okay. Storyline one: Best does a great job, thinks she's losing her job, demands to know if she's losing her job, and gets an unexpected job offer. Mm-hmm. Storyline two: Dimitri returns, Best negotiates the swap of a lifetime from the moral high ground. Unbelievable. And storyline three: Stevie makes a good life choice. <laughs> finally yes all right so let's take those in reverse order let's start with stevie uh stevie gets an unexpected proposal from jareth the british uh as we know now physics student did you know he was studying physics no i thought he was in politics because he was at georgetown but maybe he's a double major anyway i thought they said he was going to do a two-year thing at oxford in physics
0: i I didn't hear that i heard (laughs) oxford two-year fellowship okay? (laughs)
1: okay
0: Okay. Again, that's another miss because that's our third question <laughs> okay. of it so far. And back. we're, and we watched this show twice at least, Leanne, <laughs> right? I know. I know. So that's, an, but yeah, so Jared's moving back. Uh, he's going to Oxford uh,
2: and he pops the question that was sort of, well, first to Henry, right? Right. And Henry is stunned. He's on the mini golf course. It's not the best time in the world to ask uh, for a woman's hand in marriage of his father. But I have to admit, Henry was stunned, but he and Bess did some excellent underparenting. They did yeah. not try to convince her it was the wrong thing to do. They wanted to, but uh-huh. they, but they, but they did not do it. Julie, what would you have done if that had been your Stevie?
0: I just screamed and said, no. I mean, she's like a, she's like, she's a, like a sophomore in college, right? Yeah. Or, I mean, she's I taken
2: know. some time off, so I, but she couldn't be more than 21. So. She couldn't be
0: more than 21. Yeah. She's pretty young. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, I think you would have to hope for the super long engagement. Okay. Like, okay. Get engaged. But then take two years to, or, or three years. Yeah, I guess. So I understood, I understood Bess and Henry, that that was, that was a solid opening position for them to have, you right. know, right. not to overreact, but not the fact that they were going to get married next week.
2: Right. And she was almost swayed. I think she looked awesome in that hippie white wedding dress. Oh, I know. didn't like
0: that at all. Anne. Oh, girls. Oh gosh. Yeah. Didn't like that at no, all. Well, no. she, again,
2: she's only 20, so she's not going to. She's not gonna go to Kleinfelds or whatever that story Again,
0: is. I was having a hard time with the season. Like, okay, it looks like springtime in Washington and you're in a summer dress. I didn't I, no, I didn't like it at all. And I didn't her think her
2: sister it, was advocating the loose bun updo, which would have yes, looked beautiful. That would and, have looked nice. And Jareth was promising those craft beers and small batch cocktails. And those are hard <laughs> to say no to. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Said, uh, but they managed to sway Stevie without swaying Stevie. She came to the conclusion on her own that she was too young to get married, that this was the forever guy, but she didn't want forever to start next week, which I thought was a good line, a great mm-hmm. line. There's mm-hmm. still something about that British guy that's just too perfect for me.
0: You you don't trust him,
2: Leanne? Well, especially no. when I found out he was allegedly a physics student. <laughs>
0: Okay, we're gonna get back
2: to you. On we'll get that. back to that. Gonna, I gotta yeah, get some confirmation. I, I think
0: Jareth is fine. I think he, he he's good, and uh, that that could be a nice opening. That we're seeing a lot of scenes of Stevie. She needs so, to do so, something a little more than just the dishes and drinking orange juice in the kitchen. No, this I
2: liked when she was with yeah. the bad boys. I don't know. He's <laughs> just he's not edgy enough for me. I don't know. I think. <laughs> I like her character because uh-huh. I think it's real for a 20-year-old girl to make terrible choices yes, about men. Yes. So, I like that character. Okay. Uh all right, then the second storyline, Dimitri, that was a feel good moment, tears. It was pretty emotional. Character I liked, you know, he was the young Russian army officer that Henry recruited and then Bess and the president completely double-crossed in Russia there and kind of traded him away uh, to sign a deal with the Russians, much to Henry's chagrin. And so now Bess is trying to make all things right, and the Russians have proposed this agent swap. They want the most notorious uh, U.S. double agent ever, Buckley, to be released, and Bess wants Dimitri to be the swap. Um, so, and we, the storyline has been building for two weeks. So this time Bess wants, she does, she wants some pollings to see how this could go, because this is the equivalent of what, like, you know, he's like an Edward Snowden type, yeah. the, uh, the Buckley in jail here in America has, you know, double-crossed the CIA, had agents killed, but we learn he's been in jail for 20 years. Maybe he's fallen out of the public memory. Maybe he's not the worst guy ever. And uh, she kind of shames the president into doing the right thing. What do you think of that? Well, I, I sort of, I
0: didn't believe her argument. I, you know, I still don't think that uh, that as an asset that uh, it was worth it to take Dimitri. But it was, I, I was listening to it. I think she was real. I really didn't agree with Bess. I mean, sometimes she goes off the deep end on things. And this, I felt like she was really her because of her personal situation, because her husband was freaking out and going crazy. She wanted to make sure this got done. This would not have been on her radar screen. You know, she would have been done with this, the Dimitri chapter, had it not been for Henry. So I think she let her personal life influence public policy.
2: She claimed that his intel stopped World War Three. That was her argument. Well, I argument. think that is true. I
0: mean, it really did help. So that that was that was really true.
2: And she played on the president's, you know, guilt. Essentially, they did they did trade this guy's life for the deal. Yeah. So uh so team furry pufferheads, they go to the far north for the swap, and there's this dramatic moment because they don't know. Bess has seen pictures that Dimitri's dead, but the Russians insist he's alive. They need to take Henry so he can ID Dimitri. And uh, they send false Dimitri. <laughs> they send <laughs> false Dimitri, Dimitri
0: <laughs> which is just hilarious. That the. <laughs>
2: There's a character from Russian history called false Dimitri. That's an actual, they send false Dimitri out and, uh, and Henry shakes his head, shakes his puffy hooded furry head and no, not, not Dimitri. And then the real Dimitri gets out and he looks, he's in bad shape. Yeah. And he sort of lurches forward towards Henry and first he spits at Henry's feet and then they hug it out. Yeah. And they hug it out. I mean you can understand
0: I mean he was he's a good character yes. and the actor who plays that character is doing it. You've al- we've always mm-hmm. felt very connected to him emotionally. And you can understand he would have really mixed emotions. Like obviously he's been tortured, but he doesn't really want to live in the U.S. He just wanted to stay in Russia and be a good Russian soldier. Right. And he really, I'm sure he regrets ever getting involved with the Americans.
2: And they sort of dropped the sister. At one point, Bess was trying to get the sister out. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's all about Dimitri. So we yeah. don't know what happened to the sister. Uh, maybe next year, she'll be back as a storyline. So, but for the moment, Henry's soul is healed again. And he... he and, and he's got a fur hood on. So that's, yes, good. that's, that was good.
0: And he doesn't have to go back to the marriage counselor. No, anymore. he's
2: never going back. He's, he's not, you
0: know, he, he's not doing that. So that's not happening. Just build the fire pit, Henry. And they can wear, the wear their puffer coats out, out in the backyard. That's it. <laughs>
2: All right, but then the big twist is president uh is Vice President Bess, okay, so the Secretary of State she believes she 's being undermined and her job is in trouble, and she knows this because politico obnoxious dog lover Mike B tells her so okay this is her I cons- like that character I like okay. him too i yeah. you know I feel like he 's a little aggressive with insisting his dog be everywhere, yes, <laughs> so. But yeah, he has all these secret—the secret intel. This is her personal consultant, and she always clears the room when he's there. And there's a lot of tension between he and Nadine. But now I would say there's a lot of sexual tension. Don't you think there was something happening between those two on the tatami mat? Yes, sparks land. Yeah, that's good because yeah. it would be good if she, you know, Nadine had a bigger. I, I would like Nadine to have a little boyfriend. That would be good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I don't um, think she likes dogs, though. So it could be a problem. <laughs> You've seen Nadine's apartment. There's no room for that sheep dog in that apartment.
2: That's true. Hurting, hurting her ancient artifacts. Yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but Mike B tells her, "Oh, bad news. You know, they're vetting a couple of candidates for your job. weren't on the street. Is that you're out? And here's the ultimate proof that one of them has agreed to take it." you know, he's put his six month, the wife has put a six month old on the wait list for an exclusive Washington preschool. I thought yeah. that was a good detail. Like that, that was, was a good proof. detail. Yeah. And the way Best played it was great.
0: You could just see the sinking feeling on her face. She didn't want to believe it. It seemed like a preposterous thing to begin with. And then it really, you know, it really sunk in and that anyone who's ever faced like a turnaround or, you know, something like that has happened at work where things haven't gone well, you know that feeling and that she did a great job with that.
2: Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm -hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else
1: is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting... See why FrameBridge has been
2: trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's FrameBridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge. storms into Russell's office like she's going in, cancel my meetings, going in. And Russell's like, whoa, what is this? When it's on the other foot, it's not so great. But he doesn't deny it kind of hangs his head and says, nope, that's, you'll need to talk to the president about this. So uh, then she goes to talk to the president. And what does the president do, Julie?
0: It was a total surprise because she is, she's going to be really mad at the president. You know, she's saying, I did all these things. I helped you in all these situations with the Cubans, with the Russians. Well, he offers offers her the job of vice president. He needs her as his vice president.
2: No one else I, he'd rather have because she's attractive. She's polling well and she gets stuff done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what did you think, Lynn? Did you see that coming? I had no idea. I think idea. we
2: predicted it last week. If you remember, <laughs> I suggested that may be one way because we've known uh, all season long that he's, he's going to be running for reelection. election so Yeah. That was out there. So, uh, so I suggested it last week as one possible thing. Here's the thing. I hope she doesn't take it. Right? It's Can a
0: terrible she... job. Yeah, you don't yeah, you don't I mean, there first of all, there is already a TV show called Veep, right. So that would be a problem. A little problem. Right. Okay. But uh but it's not a good position, Leon. As as you know, you don't get to do anything.
2: Right. And for us as for us as viewers, it's much more exciting to have, you know, her flying off to Kosovo to do stuff than going to a breakfast in Iowa. I mean, that's yeah. not a good, dramatic right. storyline we when the show comes back in october we will have been at the tail end of our election cycle and i don't think anyone wants to see bess on the stump i don't think we're going to be able
1: to take it please
2: right i think that that's it liam
0: right there yes that <laughs> is it yeah, if, if this is about an election, nobody's going to watch that show.
2: I mean, it's just, we had it on The Good Wife this year as a storyline, like the husband was running for president. We've got Phoebe. No one wants to see Bess at a pancake breakfast in, anywhere in America. We right. want to see her off doing a little spy craft and wearing those suits that are, you know, Vice President can't get away with. She would have to wear dresses all the time. You know, even those good-looking pants she wears. She wouldn't be able to wear that if she no, was running. That's, that's yeah. right.
0: She would have to give up those little short Jackets yeah. that I like and you don't, yeah. yeah. so they'd she be could, gone.
2: She couldn't do it. She, uh-huh. The headband would have to be gone. It's all. It's, it would all be bad for Bess. So here's what I predict. Well, do you have a prediction? Let me hear it. Do you well, have my a- prediction is she's going to turn it down. That's what. That's what I think. Can you uh, I she think, turn it down? If the uh, president asks you, what's the protocol? Do you know, Julie?
0: Have you ever been position? <laughs> I have not been asked to be vice president. Okay. It's shocking, I know, but I haven't.
2: Okay.
0: Or I, but I just. I don't think she's going to end up in that in that job no. because um, because I don't think she's I, I think she likes being um, Madam Secretary. She the thought that she was going to lose that job. She said to Henry, you know, I don't th- I don't think I've ever said how much I like this job. Yeah. So
2: I know that was nice. It's nice she's going to gonna use her persuasive
0: sk- uh, skills. She's going to find someone else to be vice president. That's what I think.
2: Henry. No, 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 not Henry. Uh, Um Here's what I think. I think there's going to be some sort of crisis in the world right yep. before she has to give her uh, her answer and that, that, that will make it impossible for her to leave the secretary of state. job. I hope so. So, I and you so. know who I think it's going to be, Julie, who was, what country was conspicuously left out this year? Think about the conversation we had with showrunner, Barbara Hall. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, Leanne. What- North Korea. Oh, <gasps> uh-huh, uh-huh. right. Okay, yes, Remember you suggested
2: yes. a North Korea storyline and that's yes. like the only hot spot in the world that hasn't been an issue. Yes. So that is my prediction that there's going to be some situation with North Korea that, you know, forces best to say mercifully in the secretary of state role. That's
0: and what I think. she will definitely need her puffer coat <laughs> for North Korea. So it's
2: all good land. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's our prediction. You can always go to the Satellite Sister Facebook group and leave your prediction on what's going to happen. But a 100% completely satisfying uh, series, season finale. I yes, so. it was terrific, absolutely terrific. Any other notes you have? Any other fashion? No. Notes? Oh, I did want to mention
0: because I love the graduation speech <gasps> oh,
1: at course. UMass yes. Yes.
0: Pittsfield. Yes. of course. The first uh, the, Madam Secretary was scheduled. You know, and I like that she just accepted the first invitation that uh, she received to speak at graduation, and it was from UMass Pittsfield, which I think we could could understand was probably not a top-tier school. But anyway, she couldn't go, uh, so she sent her speech writer, and he gave a great speech, didn't he, Leon? I mean, he started off, you know, you weren't sure whether or not he was going to be able to pull it off, but he gave a great speech about how some people are always seeking the limelight, but a lot of people work really hard in the dark, and he's one of the, I, I you know, but that's, I'm paraphrasing. His it was a
2: writer's of, speech. That's why yes. I like that Barbara Hall wrote it. Like, at the end of the episode, the writer was the hero. So that's, <laughs> so of course, as a writer, you're going to love when a writer gets to be the hero. So, yeah, totally great. Thanks. Yes, Matt. That was a great speech. Matt folded out. Yes. I
0: mean, and nice he won people over and he had, he had just, a, you know, he had a great theme and a big message and, uh, and it was very inspirational.
2: And we had that nice juxtaposition with, you know, it's the people you don't see out of the limelight doing a lot of good work. And then we have Dimitri, you know, the, the exchange with Dimitri. Yeah. That was a really nice moment. I had that on a separate page of notes, but yeah, fantastic. I'm glad you mm-hmm. mentioned that. Excellent. Yeah. And in another freakish turn of events here in California, at Madeline Albright, like, is being rejected by the women of Scripps College. Like, they don't want her to be the commencement speaker. Okay. <laughs> so really? A, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, okay, that's yeah. a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's another but, a whole But there pod- you go, these controversial commencement speakers. So, uh, so Matt really shined. Uh, Matt, I'm sure he'll be available for, for other us- commencement <laughs> addresses in the future. Okay. All right.
0: Anything else? Joel? <laughs> That's it, Liam. That's it.
2: All right, Madam Secretary, go take the take the summer off. You've done a fine, fine job. And we will see you in the fall It is coming back for season three. So we'll see where best ends up in the fall. We're the Satellite Sisters. You can find lots of different Satellite Sisters episodes at iTunes, or you can subscribe through a podcast app. You can find us at SatelliteSisters.com. We recently posted an interview with Nike CEO Phil Knight, uh, so we would love for you to take a listen to that. You can find us on Facebook, both at the Satellite Sisters, and join our group page. We do a lot of fun discussions over there that are led by you, the Satellite Sisterhood. Uh, Julie, have a fantastic week. You too, Lynn. And don't forget,
0: call your satellite sister.